Welcome to Sport Faith Life with Brian Bolt and Chad Carlson, two guys who came together for one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. They are sports scholars, they're coaches, and they're competitive athletes, or at least they were. And together, they've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Well, it's so great to be back again on Sport Faith Life with my partner, Chad Carlson. Uh, An unusual day today in that we uh, did not invite a guest because we wanted to get to some other conversations. This is really going to launch our season three, which is uh, going to be a balance of conversations with me and Chad and our guests. Uh, So I think we're really excited about that. Maybe we'll... uh, ask for some uh, input from some of our listeners as we think about new ways to, to talk about sport in a Christian context. And uh, we're excited today to kind of launch a new series. And so the series today is about the fruits of the Spirit. And in fact, there are nine fruits of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5, and we are going to walk through each of them one by one in different podcasts. But just to make sure that we're in good balance with our depravity, In between, we're also going to talk about the deadly sins. So we will talk about a fruit of the Spirit one week, and and perhaps another podcast will be about one of the deadly sins and the intersections with the the cultures of sport. Uh, So we're excited to do this. We'll continue to uh, invite guests onto the show and uh, perhaps talk about these things as well. Chad, are you ready for this conversation? Well, I'm I'm smiling since you've said the word depravity. I think that's such a, a great word to discuss the fruits of the spirit and sport, but also more specifically the uh, the deadly sins in sport. I'm sure we'll be using that word a lot more in this series to come. So one might wonder why the fruits of the spirit, and really there are a lot of things we could talk about scripturally with uh, with sport, uh, but we thought this would be a, a good place to start. And to try to unpack some of the places where we see connections to fruits of the spirit, maybe even some things that we think are embedded in the culture of sport that might inhibit us from growing in the spirit. And then uh, maybe some practical suggestions, some things that we can move to and think about uh, how do we receive the spirit well and how do we continue to grow? I mean, we were made in the image of God and we're all on a process, right? We're conforming to the image of Christ, and that is not a linear line. In many ways, we can all feel in our lives times where we have felt very connected and that the the fruits sort of grow right from us, and other times, maybe not so much. And so we recognize that, and we also know that as we engage in all aspects of life, when we do our jobs, we engage with our families, and we play sports, uh, the fruit of the Spirit can be alive in us, or it can be kind of dead on the vine. And so those are some of the things that we want to try to to get to. And of course, on day one, with the fruits of the Spirit, we have to talk about really the the chief fruit of the Spirit, which is love. Chad, we're starting with love. What do you think? Well, it makes sense to do that, right? So love's the first one listed. Love's also seen as as supreme among among those those characteristics, I, I got to say I'm a little bit nervous not just about about talking about love, but about all of the fruits of the spirit. Talking about those related to sport, and I say that because the times when I've connected fruits of the spirit to my sporting experiences, it's been because 
I've tried to find positives in sporting experiences in which I didn't win, my teams didn't win, we weren't as good, whatever else. And so you're looking for some positives and you think, well, we're at least, you know, we're good people. We were able to <laughs> exemplify some fruits of the spirit. And I think love is an important one there too. And oftentimes, you know, that, that sort of drives this group of nine, right? It's the leader of the pack, so to speak. There's no surprise why Paul uses that one first. So we talk about love and sport. Um, you know, love's a word that we use a lot, isn't it? Brian, in, in culture and related to sport. Love is ubiquitous, right? I mean, it is it is the headliner. It is the front porch of the fruits of the Spirit. You know, when it when the Bible says, for God so loved the world, we know that there it, it is a central aspect of God. God is love. And then the idea uh, that we are to love God with all of our hearts, uh, and then we think about that sort of iconic passage of 1 Corinthians 13 that describes love. And with God being love and with love being connected to all the other fruits, I think we can barely do it justice in the time that we have. Um, and it's, it, there are a lot of landmines here, right? The possibility that we end up crossing uh, over into boundaries that were uncomfortable. So we're just looking for a little disclaimer here as we talk about that. We, we talk about loving everything. The English language is actually um, limited in terms of the word, mm. right? So think about things that we say we love in reference to sport, right? I love the Detroit Lions. Absolutely love them, right? And I love the uh, the curly fries that uh, I get when I go to a sporting event, right? I love the smell of the grass. I love to win. I love to hit a perfect seven iron, right? We use love in so many different ways. Uh, Chad, from your world, where do you hear the word love? Yeah, it, this is it's it's definitely a, a word that we use in lazy ways, right? I mean, you're really saying I I, I like or I appreciate or um, I'm energized by these particular things, and we use that word for love. I mean, I think you know folks that have spent uh, time reading the Bible and and hearing sermons from you know particular uh, uh, church buildings and in worship services, you, you hear about the differences between. Um, you know, the, the different Greek words for love. And, and obviously the one that we're talking about here is agape, the sort of self-sacrificial, um, you know, ever ongoing, always perfect love. Uh, but there, there's like a brotherly love, right? And so that that comes through in a lot of what I say. And I think there's actually references there when I say that about things like my favorite teams. That's kind of what I'm saying. I love those things as if they're, um, you know, as if they're a brother or a friend of mine. I'm thinking about like, uh, I, I love Saquon Barkley, you know, the uh, running back for the New York Giants. And what I'm saying is I, I think I, 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 I see him as being a part of my life in a way that's it's certainly not reciprocal, right? He has no idea who I am, but I'm saying something that has to do with the ways in which I would love a friend or a brother or someone near me. I, I enjoy watching him and his success. So that's the way that it's used. Um, I'm assuming, Brian, unless you have... Other motives here that we're not going to get into the idea of of eros or or sort of sexual romanticized intimate love that 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 won't be what we're talking about here. You no, know, Chad, the the door's open here. I mean, safe space. You can say whatever you like, but I was not okay. going that way. Um, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this podcast would have to to change just a little bit. Maybe put it on a, some different platforms. We could talk about. <laughs> love in, in different ways. I mean, I like the way that you talked about agape or agape. I'm not sure exactly which one of those is, is correct. But the the idea of um, 
the spirit, uh, the fruits of the spirit was that type of love. It was referenced in that the, the word used. It was that, uh, that word, uh, but other forms of love are used in the in the scriptures, and you talk about philos or the the uh, the brotherly love, and in sport we can we can sense some of those things being natural, um, but I do want to kind of come back to that central form of love because when we think about it, we do talk about in some ways a worship experience or people talk about a worship experience in sport. And that's a really hard thing to get our our brains around, or even to to grasp. And and I think it's a it's a challenge when we think about really loving something well. I think about recruiting students to to play for my golf team, and I say, "Do you love Do you love golf?" Right. And in some ways, I'm I'm thinking about sort of a trite sort of thing, but I'm also thinking about some of the things that um, we might connect to agape love. One being, this is a gift. Right. This is something that is received. This is an opportunity for us, um, and there's nothing that we can do to uh, to make that happen. But we can receive it, and there is a certain grace about God's love. Obviously, that is a gift, and to be able to receive it well is is participating in that that project or in that aspect of of life. I also think when I when I ask that question, I think about the difficulty. Right, and so we think about love being having sort of an element of sacrifice or suffering, and so when I ask the question, "Do you love golf?" In some ways, that's what I'm I'm trying to get at, um, and so I, I don't I think it is a little um, misplaced in some ways to talk about a game and think about it, but I think it helps us understand some of the elements of love. Uh, the last sort of piece I, I think about is is sort of the ongoingness, right? So I refer to the Detroit Lions, and obviously there's years and years and years of suffering, right? The, there's a steadfastness to loving a game, right? That uh, you know there's going to be good times and you you know there's going to be bad times, many of them. And so what holds you in those moments? Uh, I think it's okay to think about that in some ways as a, a, a love, Right, a love for something. So I, I don't know. I think um, those those are uh, ways that I think about it. Yeah, the issue of sacrifice is a really interesting one, and I'm thinking about the ways in which, you know, what you're saying about the Detroit Lions, loving the Detroit Lions is is in some ways what you're. I think you're saying, I, I sacrifice time and energy and emotions uh, in order to be able to watch this team and, and have joy in doing so, and I, I find myself. Uh, identifying with with that particular thing because of what I've sacrificed to be a part of that, right? And it's it's a small sacrifice as a fan, I suppose. Uh, if you're just you know just tuning into television to watch the game once a week, but there are certainly uh, deeper types of 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 fanship where someone would be sacrificing more, and and that might increase one's love. Like as as we do sacrifice for the things that we love, the love increases, I suppose, right? Um, and I'm thinking about how that connects to the agape type of love, which is really a sacrificial type of love. That is, I would, I would sacrifice something for particular things that I love um, or because it's the right thing to do in order for me to display particular types of love. And, you know, I think about the, the two greatest commandments to love the Lord your God and to love, and to love others as you love yourself, that there's, there's an element of thinking about sacrifice. And even if it's a sacrificing of just uh, of time, there, there's sacrifice there. 
Um, before I get, I get too deep and get ahead of myself, let me mention that I have a colleague on campus here from, from our religion department, in, in fact, uh, at, at Hope College, who says, baseball and softball are God's sport. And it says that provocatively, sure. and I, I love that. And the first time he said this to, to me, I said, "That's really that. That's really interesting and quite bold." I'm, I'm, you need to say more, mm -hmm. because I don't know exactly what you mean by that. And his immediate response was, "In what other sport do you have a statistical measure? Or do you quantify the amount of times you've sacrificed?" <laughs> Which I think is really interesting, right? So it, it's, of course, you know, so sacrifice in baseball or softball is when you have teammates who are on base and closer to scoring runs than you are. You're, you're at bat, you're, uh, you know, the batsman, whatever, what have you. And you hit in such a way that will advance your teammate closer to scoring a run, knowing that you yourself are going to be put out. Um, and so there's an element of, uh, that is a sacrifice. It's exactly what it is. But there, there's there's love there that I, I'm i working towards win. I'm willing to sacrifice something for my team it, because it gives us a better chance of winning. So that, that comes to my mind when, when it relates to sport and, and love, that there's, there is sacrifice embedded into a game like baseball or softball. Yeah, really interesting. I'm trying to think of a parallel. Obviously, there are things that are done that don't show up in the stat sheet a lot, right? Things that are not done at least primarily in your own self-interest. And maybe this is starting to leak over into our second phase of this, where we start talking about the things that inhibit love. And one of the things that inhibit love in sport is just the overwhelming self-interest of sport, right? The, the actual act of sport is to act in your own best interest or your team's best interest. Uh, and not to actually act in the interest of others. And so sport itself, um, unless you, you take that to another level and talk about um, sort of a deep dive on competition and how we struggle together and how my excellence brings out your excellence, which uh, I think is a good place to go. But I also think it, um, it's a lot of moments of paying attention to yourself which is really the antithesis of love. Uh, the, from Scripture, from beginning to end, is God acting out of love for the other and representing that in multitudes of ways. And sport just gives us lots of opportunity to think about what, are, what am I going to get out of this? Uh, what is my team going to get out of this? And so... I think just being in that environment, it's good for us to be keenly aware uh, of what sport may do to us. And, and we see this all the time. I, when I coach my team, you know, I, I get 18-year-old guys onto my team and they leave at 22. And I'm trying to make a much better golfers in that time, right? Uh, give or take some ages there. But uh, we're working like crazy to, to try to develop. But I also, in the back of my mind, I think, um, you know, these are pretty immature guys too, right? They're, they're, they're at a developmental stage. And in terms of formation, I think about forming them into people who are thinking about themselves less, not more, which is very interesting because I'm spending a lot of time getting to, asking them to think about themselves, about their own self-development, about developing for the team. But if I can get them to think about themselves less, it's very satisfying in the long run and to think about others. So we do have these inhibitors in sport, um, uh, particularly for love in this, this other centered 
life. So I think I can one up you oh, talking about immature <laughs> people who are athletes here, but <laughs> I don't know if that's the way we want the conversation to go, but I do have anecdotes that I think are helpful. I, I, I'm going to get at the idea that I think statistics are, are some of the love inhibitors in, mm. in sports, right? So we quantify so much and then we can think about or we're, we're in some ways socialized to be thinking about our own statistics, which are uh, the revelation of how good we think we are. And when doing so, we lose out on the focus of the team, the ultimate focus, which is winning and being willing to sacrifice our own goals and statistics for, for somebody else or something else, right? And I'm thinking about even the ways in which, you know, we say maybe the, the, the statistic in a sport like basketball or, or soccer or hockey that indicates the best teamwork or the most love for others would be an assist. And so we quantify assists, who made the pass that led to the goal or the basket or whatever else. But even so, you can get athletes who are very greedy about, about assists, right? And who really actually aren't making the best play for the team all the time, but are trying to increase their statistical number. So that, that's an issue that I'm dealing with. I'm thinking about uh, a fifth grade basketball game I watched on Saturday morning. It was my son wanted to go watch some of his friends play. And this one kid on one of the teams is, is running up and down the floor every time he scored. And he was a good player. Every time he scored, he yells out to his parents who are in the crowd how many points he has. <laughs> and he's got a running tally in his head. And, and there's clearly, he has no interest in, uh, in, in his teammates or how they're doing or how his team is doing even, right? He just, he's, he's calculating how many points he has. Um, so we see a lot of that. And certainly he probably, there's a possibility that he would have gotten some of that from his, his parents' um, you know, we know that we, we sort of breed breed certain things in youth sports that we don't always want. And it's not it's not love as one of the things that we necessarily breed, or at least in my experiences now as a parent of young athletes, there isn't a whole lot of love development that's being focused, you know, in in, in youth sports. So that, that comes to mind for me as an inhibitor. It's these statistics. And I'm thinking again of just a couple of weeks ago being at a youth basketball game and talking to some parents who had uh, who had a, a young a young athlete who was timid uh -huh. and these parents in order to try to get the kid to be less timid on the court was offering the child a dollar for uh for every every basket that the child made uh -huh. and so they're trying to do something that they think will be positive for this kid my instinct though is to say if my kid is on that team uh, i'm not happy with these parents because they're getting their kid to focus on him or herself as opposed to, well, what if the kid's doing great things off the ball, away from the ball? The kid might be given great spacing, might be playing great defense, you know, might be setting great screens. Those are all things that help the team but don't get quantified, like the shooting and the scoring. So the parents are sort of promoting this, this thing that we promote above all other statistics, right? How many points did I score? And that's probably antithetical to developing love within sport. Yeah, I think what you've identified there, right, is this this uh, gymnastics in our brain, right? We go back and forth as we think about uh, and rationalize to ourselves uh, some of the things that uh, make sense, maybe even in helping. I mean, you wouldn't want this uh, this child on your son's team, well, because maybe your son wouldn't score as many points, right? So there, we're always thinking about some of these things in reference to ourselves. And it, and I don't think, um, oh, hold not on you, a second. not you. Hold on a second. You, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. No, that, Thank you. But not you, there was a general, you, less. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I got it. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. You weren't the dad up in the Let's stands. Counting. It's about the team. 
Uh, yeah, it's about the team. It's about it's about. You were just you were just gotten a, a defensive stance all day, right? You weren't about shooting threes when you played. Well, I certainly took shots and probably more than my fair share. But what's funny is, um, you know, at times I thought that was the best thing for our team to have me shoot the ball, and I think my coaches felt that way at times too. But there were also a lot of times when I took shots that I, I shouldn't have in order to, you know, get my get my stats get your up. Points. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 a depraved individual, <laughs> uh, like you are, Brian, and so I, I make mistakes for sure. But there's there are definitely polls that are are anti-love, and I think statistics is one of them. So with that reality in mind, I wonder if we, I think he used the phrase before, like, uh, how, it doesn't cultivate love. And so the question is, I mean, when you think about just that cultivate, we've got fruits of the Spirit. We know that those fruits of the Spirit are uh, not things that we can really uh, strive for in, on our own strength, right? Where uh, Jesus said, essentially, uh, if you're not in the vine, if, you, if you're not uh, connected to, to him, uh, you won't bear fruit, and so uh, we can we can actually get focused on the fruit. We can get focused uh, on our own successes, even in spiritual life. We can get focused on those sorts of things, which can get us going off in the wrong direction. What are what are the things? What do you think we can do to the soil of sport to cultivate uh, love, love in a way that's appropriate to sport, which is uh, very different maybe than love in another circumstance or another environment. Right. It immediately makes me think of a conversation that I had as a graduate student with Scott Kretschmar, who we've had on the show, Brian, you and I have had yeah. on the show. We've talked to him. He's, he's presented at global congresses in the past. And when he was leading some ethics charges in the world of sport, big time college sport, you know, he was asked, well, what do you think we can do to, um, to make our athletes behave better, treat each other better, you know, on, on the field, on the, uh, in the course of action? And his response was, I think we need to get our athletes to spend, from opposing teams, to spend more time together outside of sport, where they can get to know each other as human beings, as opposed to just opponents. Um, so he said, you know, before college football bowl games, we should have athletes spending more time together or sort of interacting between the two of them or among conferences. We need to get our athletes together from different schools more often so that they get to know each other, develop friendships. And, and he was kind of laughed off, off stage when he said that, uh, I remember. And yet now a lot of the bowls are doing that with their athletes. I think it's more or less to entertain the players, but, you know, something where you get a chance to see someone um, in, in a different in a different way, in a different light. And I actually think a lot of youth sports in the U.S. is some of the positives amidst all the negatives is the fact that when kids are playing club or travel or or what have you that's not sort of school-sponsored sport, there's an opportunity to meet kids and to have some fellowship with kids that you're going to be opponents with in the future. And one of the things I like about in the midst of all the things I don't like about the, the greater amounts of player transi transiency in professional sports is that when, a, when players are going from team to team, you know what, you're developing more friends that are in the league. And as friendships develop, you would hope, or at least in theory, there would be you know, better, better behavior among players. I'm not sure that's actually happened, but I think in theory, there's something there that, we can, that, that we're doing that might be cultivating soil in, in a way that would lead to a vine that would produce fruit. Yeah, 
maybe I'm just getting too idealistic. No, I actually, well, I think um, that's part of it, right? We want to we want to set our sights in an, in a direction that um, is aspirational. I, I like what you were like. The fundamental unit that you're working with there is time, and if we look at really the the life of Christ. Uh, one of the things that frustrated his disciples more than anything else was they wanted to get things done, right? Let's go. Let's move. And Jesus would often say, no, no, no. I got to spend time with my father, which seems to make, in some ways, no sense to us, right? They're one. Why do they need to actually spend time together? And Jesus would pull away for long periods of time, 40 days at one time, right, where he's pulled away and says, I need to spend time with my father. And just think about that value of time. Uh, right? The, what, is, what does God want from us? He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to connect with us. And we all know that relationships can't go anywhere without time, right? Being able to, to spend some time in those spaces. And so I, uh, Kretschmar's, Scott Kretschmar's um, suggestion there was, was like fundamental to being human, to, to cultivating love is, is uh, that, that spending of time with, with others, Spending time with God, spending time with others, and and really uh, doing that in in some ways at the sacrifice of other things, um, so that you can build those relationships. There are, there are some cultures that do that more than others. Uh, some uh, competitive cultures. A, a friend of mine played rugby uh, when he was young and played well into his forties, and um, you know, after every rugby match, they all went out and ate and drank together, and it was uh, one big party, one team and the other team, right, all together after kind of beating each other's brains in, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but they, they built that in and relationships, uh, and guess who else was there, which was kind of interesting. Uh, the referees were often there. Uh, yeah, so so kind of strange, too, that they're all together in the end, partaking, right? Having some food. So I, I do think there's there's more to that. I mean, I, I think of the athletes that I coach. Um, I, I kind of lean into the rivalry between our two schools, right? So I'm going to lean into that. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- they, in their quieter moments, are like, yeah, that, that hope team's not so bad, coach, right? And so I'm like, come on, that can't possibly be. Uh, but I, they like those guys, right? And and partially because they've seen them elsewhere. They've seen them in other tournaments. They've seen them mm-hmm. in other places. They see them before and after. And uh, those friendships um, are they don't detract ultimately from uh, high level competitive sport. And I, and I think they add to love. And I think that's a, a something that we can do to try to cultivate the soil. Well, I love the idea of you bringing up the rivalry because generally rivalries are seen as inimical, are seen as hostile, are seen as having the absence of love. And I'll just say, you know, when when I when I played against rivals, uh, one of my one of the greatest experiences that I've had surrounding sport has been after I graduated from college and had finished playing college basketball, going being invited alongside a rival player to a basketball mission trip where we were roommates for a week and a half. And I, I wish we had done that after our freshman year. We really had an opportunity to get to know each other well to the point where we were starting to make small sacrifices for each other that I think would indicate that a friendship had developed that would have led to you know, one of the types of love or one of the ways in which love is expressed. I think uh, 
accurately, and that is you know being willing to to see someone as uh, as we love a, a brother or a sister, a sibling, and it's just amazing how the ways in which time can lead to to, to that type of relationship that leads to love. So maybe just with that time piece, uh, time, I would say without extrinsic motives, but but time there is, is maybe two steps away from what we're getting at. But that's that's the soil, right? That's exactly, it's two steps away from the fruit that's produced. And so that's probably a pretty filling, fitting way to talk about this. Yeah, I think thinking bigger uh, about sport um, while also fully engaging in it is, is sort of our call, right? We're, we're, uh, I, I don't think in any way that we're trying to turn sport into a vehicle for something, um, alone because the engagement in sport, and we'll get to this maybe with some other fruits of the spirit, the engagement in sport brings some other joys, some other values, some other, uh, connections to our humanity that, um, you and I both think are, are really important, uh, and really satisfying. So I think that sort of project of thinking bigger, bigger in the soil of sport um, gives us uh, opportunities to, to uh, really learn more about love, to not only learn more, but also practice it in ways that uh, might be unique to that culture, paying attention to others, drawing our attention outward. Uh, and, and I do think this idea of recognizing where it comes from, the receiving of love and the giving, the giving of good gifts to others uh, is part of that love process. And uh, sport gives us opportunities to engage with others in really significant ways where we can be different, be different than, than maybe what, maybe not different than the world, but maybe different than what our hearts might desire in the moment, which I think is a, is part of understanding love. Thanks for tuning in to the Sport Faith Life Podcast, a conversation at the intersection of sport and faith. Read the corresponding blog post and learn more about us at sportfaithlife.com. Listen to more of our podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and follow us on social media to stay up to date with everything sport, faith, and